In our gospel lesson for this morning, Peter asked Jesus the following question. Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive them? As many as seven times? Now, it's important to note that Peter said another member of the church. In the Greek, the word member also means brother or sister or friend. That's important. It means Peter is not asking about a rapist or a murderer or a terrorist to be forgiven. Rather, he's talking about a friend, a church member, a co-worker, or a family member who is part of his everyday life. And for better or for worse, will be continue to be part of his everyday life. Lord, if one of those people continue to sin against me, how often should I forgive them? As many as seven times? Rabbinic law stated that three times was actually enough. It is where we get three strikes and you're out. So when Peter proposed seven, he thought he was being gracious by doubling the prescribed law and throwing in one more for good measure. Now, it's important to realize that Peter was inquiring about future forgiveness. He may have in mind a church member or a co-worker or a family member who each time he is in their presence continues to offend or insult him. So to see what he is asking Jesus, it's actually pretty tricky. Peter wants Jesus to draw a line in the sand and say, when they cross that line, you have my permission to let them have it. But Jesus doesn't take the bait. Instead, he replies, not seven times, Peter, rather 77. But 77 does not mean on the count of 77, you can let them have it. Rather, 77 is symbolic for indefinitely. It was Jesus' way of saying, stop counting, stop keeping track. Because as long as you are counting, you are waiting with bated breath or loaded guns to give them what they may well deserve. We have all felt that way if we are honest, right? In fact, it's been standard operating procedure for hundreds of years. And it's even in the Bible. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. It feels good in the moment, but in the end it leaves two people blind or toothless or dead. Not seven times, Peter, rather 77 times. In other words, in other words, Christianity doesn't count. Jesus is proposing a way of forgiving that is extremely countercultural, counterintuitive, and yes, counterbiblical. What he is proposing, what he is commanding is future or preemptive forgiveness. And to illustrate, he tells this rather fascinating little story. A servant owed his king or lord 10,000 talents. It was a huge debt. The king decides to do what is customary in those days. He will sell the man and his wife and his children and everything they own to at least recover part of that huge debt. When he heard the news, the servant drops to his knees and begs the king for mercy. And he vows to pay back everything that he owes over time. So his king and lord, out of his graciousness, does the unthinkable and the outrageous he forgives the debt. He completely cancels future payments and future debt. Great story, nice, happy ending, right? 
Not so fast. The next day, the newly liberated servant runs into an old friend who owes him the equivalent of, get this, $20. He grabs him by the throat and demands payment on the spot. And the debtor, reminiscent of our man, falls to his knees and begs for mercy and more time. However, instead of forgiving his friend, our man calls the police and has him thrown in prison. This gets back to his lord, who becomes furious at his ungrateful and unforgiving servant. So he changes his mind and has him thrown in prison too. Now to be clear, God is king and lord in this story. God is doing the future, that is the preemptive forgiving. And the clue here, as I said in the beginning, is in the numbers. As we have heard, 77 in this story is symbolic for indefinitely, that is into the future. But so is the number 10,000 talents. In a 2020 commentary on this passage, distinguished biblical scholar Walter Brueggemann writes this, 10,000 talents represents the wages of a day laborer for 150,000 years. It would take the servant 150,000 years to pay back the debt. Translation, God is forgiving him way in advance. God is forgiving him preemptively. A few years ago, the University of Pennsylvania published an article on preemptive forgiveness by Nicholas Cornell. Cornell argues that it is entirely possible to forgive someone personally for what they are about to do. However, that does not negate the behavior that will follow. And he uses this example. Two soldiers are on parole. Suddenly, an explosive device wounds one of them. Although the camp is only a few miles away, the wounded soldier is unable to get up the steep hillside, even with the help of the soldier who is not wounded. They are able to call for assistance, but they are informed that it will be several hours before aid can be dispatched to their location. And this, the unarmed soldier looks down at the wounded soldier and promises that he will stay by him until helps arrives. He will stay there until help arrives. But after an hour of sitting in the cold rain, the unharmed soldier is visibly shivering and the gunfire from the enemy is approaching. And seeing this, seeing this, the wounded soldier looks up at him and says, I forgive you if you leave me. I forgive you if you leave me. At which point the unarmed soldier leaves. Cornell concludes, the wounded soldier has waived any future blame or debt owed. However, this in no way releases the other soldier from the promise that he made. Hence, it is preemptive forgiveness. In his little book titled, Thank God It's Friday, William Willimon recounted all the times when Jesus walked up to people, complete strangers, and greeted them by saying, your sins are forgiven. Now, what do you make of that? The first words out of Jesus' mouth were not, hello, how are you? Rather, your sins are forgiven. What if we all did that? 
<laughs> Imagine the reaction. What if we greeted each other every Sunday morning, not with good morning, but, hey, your sins are forgiven? It'd be interesting. So why did Jesus do that? Why did he just ignore all the formalities and go there? Because deep down, he knew it's what we all need to hear. Willimon concludes with this. This is a reminder to all of us that Christians confess their sins not in order to receive forgiveness, rather because we are already forgiven. Preemptive forgiveness. It is about as countercultural as the gospel gets. And the truth is, we live in a world that's much more comfortable with preemptive war, are we not? Much more comfortable with preemptive war than preemptive forgiveness. And yet that's precisely what Jesus commands us to do. Okay, so how does this apply to all of our lives, to your life and mine? What are we going to do with this practically? You have received an invitation to a party at someone's home. At the same time, you know that they have invited another person who is a continual thorn in your side. Or maybe it's a family gathering that required holiday or grandma's big birthday. A gathering where that brother or sister or relative you haven't spoken to in months will surely be present. What do you do? Do you walk into grandma's birthday party with your guns loaded with one of those little plastic counters in your right hand? Well, that's one way to spoil the party. Or do you do as Jesus commands? Instead, you walk into that party, and when you see the offender, you whisper quietly to yourself, I forgive you. I know in the next little while, there is a strong possibility that you will say or do something stupid, insensitive, cutting, or passive-aggressive toward me. And I also know that I'm not going to change your behavior, not tonight anyway. So for the sake of grandma, and for your sake and my sake, I forgive you in advance. It really works. I've done it. And when you do that, in that instant, you receive the grace and mercy that God has gifted to you, and you pay it forward. But don't stop there. Try doing this as well. When you see that person whisper quietly to yourself the following words, forgive me for what I may knowingly or unknowingly do over the course of the evening that may offend you. Do that, and I promise you, it will be the first Rolaids free reunion you've had in a long time. And I promise you, you will feel freer than you have in a long, long time. You will feel freer than you have in a long, long time. Hence the very carefully chosen prison image in our passage. Instead of forgiving his friend for a $20 debt, our man calls the police and has him thrown in prison. The news gets back to the Lord, who becomes furious and ungrateful at his unforgiving servant. So he changes his mind, and he throws him in prison as well. You see what's going on here? It is a brilliant metaphor. When we resist forgiving another person, we spiritually imprison ourselves. 
When we resist forgiving another person, we spiritually imprison ourselves, we imprison our soul using old shadows for bars. Which is why Jesus taught us to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Jesus knew that there was a dynamic and mystical connection between being forgiven and forgiving. We can't have one without the other. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That is the key to becoming fully and freely human.